got a story. I've got a story. We've got a story. I'm Brad McEwen, and I'm here to tell that story. This is Beyond the Bank. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of AB&T's Beyond the Bank. I'm your host, Brad McEwen, and today I'm chatting with my friend and fellow Leadership Albany board member, Albany Police Chief Michael Persley. Good morning, Chief. Good morning, Brad. Thanks for joining us today. Of course, of course. Now, uh, you and I have known each other for a few years, going back to my time with the Herald, but for the benefit of our audience, uh, give us a quick run-through on your background, growing up in Albany, your military service, and, and really your decision to come back here and begin a career in law enforcement. So, born and raised in Albany, Georgia, graduated from the best high school in uh, Albany, Darty County. That's Darty High, and that was in 1989. Uh, during that time, uh, I, really for the past, uh, oh my God, all of my life I've been here in Albany. Uh, somewhere around 1992, I got the bright idea to join the Georgia Army National Guard. That took me on 22 years of service to the uh, state of Georgia and occasional deployments outside the United States. During that time, about a year after I had joined the National Guard, I got hired on at the Albany Police Department. And come December of this year, uh, December 27th of this year, will be 28 years that I've been working for the city of Albany. Long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I started as a patrol officer and worked my way all the way up to chief. Chief, if I remember correctly, you made it to chief about the time that I started on with the Herald. Uh, was that like 12, 13, something uh, like that? 20, 14? No, 2015, uh, May 30th. May 30th, this would be six years that I've been chief. So, mm-hmm. And time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of fun, but time does fly. <laughs> I understand that. Now, you know, you know, I've talked in the past, so I know that you've got a passion for your home community. And I know that that passion really factored in to your decision to be in law enforcement. Talk to me a little bit about just that decision. That's, that's not a thing everybody's prepared to do. Growing up wanting to be a police officer, was not one of the things that I could say was rampant throughout my friends. You know, that was, <laughs> no, no. Um, I don't know. I, I guess just uh, the influences I've had uh, over the years. Uh, one of our, my neighbors was Johnny Marshall. And at the time he was a motorcycle officer. And uh, I was just be fascinated to see this uh, police officer who's a black man that, hey, that's my neighbor riding this big Harley. It was like, wow, that must be kind of nice. That was one of the influence. Uh, my stepdad growing up, he loved to watch, you know, crime shows and police dramas. And it's just something I wanted to do. And uh, along the way, I, I heard a lot of, nah, you don't need to do that. But I decided to do it. And it was like, it's been one of the best decisions I've ever made. That's fantastic. Now, uh, you know, you and I could probably wax philosophical for hours on a a number of different (laughs) topics, but I do want to focus in a little bit today on the concept of community policing. And I was hoping you could touch on a little bit about what the department has cooking these days Mm. and, uh, you know, some of the challenges you're facing in regard to crime, officer recruitment, community support. But before we jump into all that, give us a little bit of idea of what community policing is and what it's all about. It's, it's not a program, it's a philosophy. It's something you have to build inside the organization and be committed to. Community-oriented policing isn't, you don't win the 
hearts and minds of the community by cooking hot dogs, hamburgers, and having bouncy houses. You win the hearts and minds of the community by being responsive to their calls, uh, being fair, equitable, uh, honest in what you do, just being just. And when you treating people the way they want to be treated, that's how you start to win that trust in the community. When when you and we don't get it right every day, but when we don't get it right, that the community will see well, we're going to hold ourselves accountable. We're going to make sure that that type of behavior is not model. Uh, that's not the model behavior in the department. And it's day in and day out because we can do 10 good things. One officer comes along, does something bad, can wipe out all those 10 good things that we did. So every single day, we have to work on this philosophy that we're serving the public. We're the guardians. We're not thugs and gangsters, but we're guardians and we're protecting everybody in the community. Now, from a from a philosophical standpoint and from, you know, just the practicality of doing your job every day out on the streets of Albany, talk to me about why that trust with the community is so important. As a police department, your police department is not a separate organization from the city. The police department, those who are in your law enforcement agencies, wherever they're at, they're your neighbors, they're your family members, they're your friends, they're your church members. You, I mean, these are the people inside of your community who decide on a day-to-day basis that they're going to put their lives on the line to make sure that you can go about your day. When you don't have that connection with the community, then you can't get things done, plain and simple. I mean, I don't have enough personnel to be everywhere in the city. So it, we rely upon the citizens that, you know, yeah, we can say, see something, say something, but they they got to know who they're to say. If I see it and I'm talking to, I need to know who. So it's not just an officer. Oh, that's Officer personally, or that's Mr. Mike, or that's Mr. Brad, or that's, Brad. hey, you know, what they know you. And when they know you and you know them, the relationship is a whole lot better to where they don't see you as an occupying force. And, and that's why that's why I believe in I really want to pull from the community that if we're policing the people we're policing, they're folks who you recognize. So now I see Brad. I don't see a white male in a nice shirt. But I see Brad, and when I know Brad and Brad knows Mike, we have a way better relationship, way better relationships. You mentioned occupying force. We're talking about trust. That's something that's been tested in our country in recent years, and uh, especially in the past uh, you know, 24 months. Talk to me a little bit about the challenges you've experienced in, in recent months and what the department's doing. The biggest challenge we've had is uh, if you go – in the alley behind the law enforcement center, there's a mural painted that says, I can't breathe. So the person who had it painted told me they were going to do it. And, and I told him, I said, well, some of my officers may feel some kind of way. Well, they did. Some did. Others were like, okay, they, they understand. But what it ended up being for us was every day that you leave and you have to see that mural, it reminds you, what your duty is to the citizens, what your duty is to the profession, to where for what one person did, 
that, and that may, everybody else may paint us as the same brush. No, it's not. Hearing the challenges of, you know, the, the social, and I, I'm going to say this, this social revolution, in my opinion, has been going on for eight years, at least eight years. And when I hear people talk about how their interactions with law enforcement and other places, but they say, but not here in Albany. It's like, okay, well, thank you. I appreciate it. It doesn't stop. We can't, we can't stop protecting. We can't stop uh, getting out here in the, in the community because people may say whatever they want to say on social media and protesting on the news. This is what I know. If your car is broken in, if your house is broken in, somebody steals something, somebody harms you, you're going to call the police. And when the police arrive, you have an expectation that that officer, whomever he or she may be, is going to resolve the issue that you have. And at that point, you don't care about, you know, what protests, what I need this issue solved right now, because to the person who called, that's the most important thing to them. And that's what we have to realize. I, I want to touch on this. With all this stuff going on across our country, the uncertainty, you know, people not certain about, you know, can I trust these people? Do they have my best interest in mind? Then you've got the whole flip side where, you know, the the men and women in uniform, am I being respected? Do people care about me? Am I going to be okay? What has that done to your efforts to recruit new officers? It, it has hurt. I mean, we were already competing against corporate America for the best and brightest. You know, I, I just don't compete against other law enforcement agencies. I'm competing against corporate America. So when you start to have, a, when the negative perception is cast on law enforcement, then you have some people be like, eh, I don't even know if I really want to risk my life for that. And you see, this is the thanks that you get. It takes a special person <laughs> it takes a special person to be involved in public service as a whole, but then in the different areas of public service, it takes even more special people. It takes a special person to say, now, I have all, all respect to firemen, but I will not run in a burning building. But if it's a person in there that has hostages and they're saying they're not going back to prison, hey, let's suit up, let's go in and get them. Um, because you want to save people, you want to stop the, you know, things. It has hurt. And and because it has hurt, we have to, and COVID did not help, we have to even push further to, to be aggressive in recruiting the right people. Um, I can fill my vacancies, but it may not be the right people that you really want out there on the streets protecting your neighborhood. Well, I, I can say, you know, personally, I know I know several of your officers, so I know you do have good people currently, which uh, as a citizen of the community makes me unbelievably happy. Uh, but I also got to think that I've also noticed that a lot of the folks on the force have connections to Albany, to southwest Georgia. Uh, stories similar to yours grew up here, uh, made the decision to come back and, and improve their community and make it a great place. Do you think about that and recruitment when you're out interacting in the community, when you're doing community policing? And that's one of the things with our, uh, when I say we, we're, we have to be aggressive because you will find them. And a lot of times when you see something and it's like, oh, you might make, make a good police officer. The days of people coming down here just to fill out applications. No, 
you have to go get them. And a lot of times a person's just waiting to be asked. So we need to do more asking. And when you're and and you're right, uh, being out in the public and it's hey, uh, one of the things we're working on develop are uh, recruitment cards, like business cards. And if I see some any of my officers, because all my officers are recruiters, uh, you see somebody, give them the card and they get the card and it takes them to the to our website. It has information, or uh, it have have a phone number, and just some people just want to be asked, and that's how it starts. That's pretty awesome. Shifting gears just a little bit, Chief. We're always working on recruitment, always working on strengthening the relationship with the community. Mm-hmm. You know, once you get these new folks in twenty twenty one. What are some of the more immediate, short-term priorities, things that are new that uh, are focuses for the department that you're kind of honed in on right about now? Well, we're trying to bring more technology in to help us. Um, for example, one the latest thing that has has been a, has <laughs> it has gotten all Benny's attention is uh, the uh, our Red Speed program. These are the uh, license plate recognition readers in school zones. I'll give you this number. Uh, since we've done our uh, warning period, we have passed out 7,973 warnings for people who have been violating the uh, uh, the speed limit in school zones. So to, to bring clarification, one hour before and one hour after school is when it's 25 miles an hour. During the course of the day, it is the posted speed limit. So if you're doing 60 and a 45 and you go through one of these school zones, you're going to take your picture and you're going to get right now. You're going to get a warning. Citations will start when school starts back in August. My my message to the public is slow down, drive the speed limit in the school zones. If you do that, you won't get you won't get a, a piece of paper. Like that. So so just to be clear. Even when it's noon and it's not school zone flashing light time, if you are driving in excess of the posted speed limit at that time of the day, you you fall prey to this. This is not just Correct. two hours a day. Correct. Excellent. Now we were I know we were talking about this a little bit on our last leadership Albany uh, meeting. Can you tell us how many of these systems have been installed and what's the plan moving forward? Starting out, we have uh, four school zones um, on Westover. Uh, north and southbound, right at Westover High School, on uh, Oak Ridge, east and westbound, right in front of Alice Coachman, uh, Whispering Pines, east and westbound, Blaylock, north and southbound, right near uh, Robert Harvey. And we just want to start those. That's and and it's a work that process before we start expanding. Now, Chief, I'm a little bit of a nerd. I like to know how things work. So, if you don't mind. Uh, you know, George is a state where there's not front license plates. How does it work to get a picture of somebody, you know, because you're, you're getting their speed coming head on? Well, uh, when you go through any one of those four zones, uh, you will see the cameras. So uh, that's why you put two cameras in one area. These cameras can capture seven license plates in a second. That's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. That's really impressive. Now, you know, this is an investment from our community in, in, in trying to address the things that the public has been asking. How does, you know, how is this stuff paid for? It is. It doesn't cost the city anything. But when the violator has to pay the citation, your first 
violation fine is $75. Second one is $125. And I can't remember the, you know, subsequent fines, but uh, it's a civil fine. So it's no points on your license and your insurance doesn't go up. If you don't pay, that's fine. When you get ready to go renew your tag, that fee will be attached to it. Ooh, nice. The money that comes back to the police department, uh, my plans are to use it for programming that goes back into the community. 7,000, almost 8,000 warnings in this short period of time since you've installed that stuff. You know, obviously it's having an impact and hopefully we'll send the message to the community. Uh, any plans on expanding that to other school zones or intersections versus school zones? Uh, what we're looking at with the red speed is each right now, each school year adding school zones to it. Uh, now, I, I, we are, you know, wanting to do more with cameras. When you put cameras up at, uh, well, like, well, let me say this, put cameras up at high traffic locations and uh, high pedestrian locations. I'm not putting a camera in your backyard. I'm not. <laughs> but we put cameras up at these locations just to, uh, you know, monitor areas that people have to go through because when things happen and people in vehicles, you you have to go through certain areas. Well, the other part that we want to do down the line is a camera registration. Just like you have alarms registered on your homes and businesses, where you register your camera. So if you're a business or you're a private homeowner, not and when I talk about camera registration, I can't access your camera. But if something happens in an area, then we'll look on a map to see what cameras we have. We send you an email, an email blast, and if you have anything on your cameras, you put it in a Dropbox and we look at it. We've solved a lot of crimes just off of home surveillance systems, us going door to door. Well, now if we're able to um, uh, have a, people register their cameras, then you don't have to give us anything if you don't want to. It's strictly voluntary, but it will help because you just don't know how many cameras there really are out there in the city. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that we moved last summer. One of the things I did uh, at the new house was set up, you know, ring system. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't even thinking when I set it up that I was entering into a whole community. And now I get alerts about things happening all around me. Do you guys monitor any of that stuff? We do. We do. We have several officers who are hooked into it to where uh, we can send out, uh, like for us, if we know that there's been some entering autos happening in the area. Uh, we can send out blasts to, you know, back to the to those who have the cameras to say, hey, go look look at your cameras, things of that nature. We can do that. Uh, but uh, it, it's all part of technology. And the, the thing, the biggest thing I'm working on now is I want to build a real time crime center within the police department. If you ever look at the TV show FBI and you have like the monitors on the wall and well, it won't be like that, you know. But uh, you you do all this technology we have that currently at our fingertips, we have to bring it into one central area to be able to process the information. And when you process the information, it's no telling how many crimes that we can solve or how many problems we can head off because the information is at our fingertips. We just have to bring it all together. Makes sense. Well, and I love the idea to, you know, 
because you talk about, you use words like relationships, partnerships, community. Uh, I like the notion of the, the regular population working in conjunction yeah. with law enforcement mm-hmm. to protect the community together. I, I've got to think that that's really the ideal model that you strive for. Well, in Peel's principle number seven, Sir Robert Peel, the guy who one of the finders of the Metropolitan Police Department in uh, London, uh, number seven is the police are the, the public, are, police are the public, public are the police. Uh, the police are, the, everyone is responsible for the general welfare of the community, but the police, we're the only ones who do it full time. So uh, it it is it is incumbent upon everyone to be involved in the welfare of the public. Now, that perception has been distorted over decades of what police are supposed to do. So, um, I mean, social workers, marriage counselors, uh, health provide whatever it is. I mean, there's so much put on, but at the end of the day. It's the community as a whole who's responsible for the general welfare of the pub, of, of that city. Absolutely, that, that, that's that's good to hear, and I think that's a message that needs to be uh, needs to be spread out. Now, Chief, I promised you I wasn't going to keep you too terribly long, so I, you know we're getting close to the end. But I do want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything else going on? Anything else that you just want the community to know about APD or about you? Well, you would need a whole thirty minutes to talk about me. <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the department we're looking for, uh, we'll, as I will take this from the Marines, and I'm not a Marine person, but uh, we're looking for a few good men and women. Uh, we're looking for people who want to be involved in helping the community. Um, if, you're a, uh, if you can speak Spanish, please come. We have a growing Hispanic population here, and uh, I don't want them to feel left out. Uh, so if you know anybody who would make a good officer, uh, someone who's interested in it, uh, come come talk to us and we'll start the process. The police department understands that we have to change. And um, if you don't change and stay in tune with what the community wants, then you start to have a separation. And when you have that separation, that's when things happen. You know, um, uh, anytime anyone has you know, and as long as I, I'm the chief, you know, I, I will say this. I am open to any, you know, suggestions that anyone may have. Don't feel that you can't talk to any officer. Uh, don't feel as though that um, uh, that you can't, you know, come down and have your voice heard. Only thing we ask is, you know, I can understand you might be upset, but be respectful. You know, please don't come cuss us out too bad. Um but uh, we're here. To, we're here as part of the community, and it's my job to make sure that you know we bring in good people to provide a good service to the citizens of this community. Well, Chief, I, I can't thank you enough for that, and and the men and women who serve with you. They're wonderful people, and and it's just great to have folks like that keeping us safe and protecting us. Uh, and of course, I want to thank you too for your time mm-hmm. this morning, and I, and I'll extend this to, you know. We're a community partner. If, yeah. if there's ever a message that needs to get out, you know where to find me. Mm-hmm. You're welcome back to be on the bank anytime. Uh, we'd love to have you. This is finally, uh, this is, uh, we're at the end of National Law Enforcement Appreciation Week. But if you see a, a, a person who's in uh, public safety, uh, well, law enforcement particularly, sheriff's department, police department, doesn't matter, just thank them for what they do. Just thank them. Yeah.
we'll be happy to do that. Well, Chief, thank you for coming in. Once again, I'd like to thank Albany Police Chief Michael Persley and the loyal followers who make Beyond the Bank such a joy to produce. This community is filled with incredible people doing incredible things, and I'm just humbled I get to share a little bit of their stories. Until next time, I'm Brad, and this is Beyond the Bank.